everybody, Kendra the Vet Tech here, and today we are going to talk about another unique career path as a credentialed veterinary technician. And here with me today is Lucy. She is an RVT, a registered veterinary technician, to talk with us about her career path. So welcome, Lucy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kendra, for inviting me. So I usually like to get these started with talking about how you got to veterinary medicine. So tell us about your career path. Was this the initial career path for you? Second career? What led you here? Oh gosh, that's a, yeah, long, crazy. So this was not my initial career path. I think (laughs) it should have been, but we all find bumps in the road, right? Um, So I actually went to college and university because I'm from the UK. So I grew up in England, went to school there. Um, My original career path was actually in finance. So I went to school and got my degree in financial mathematics, was going to work in finance somewhere. Still to this day, I don't know what that career path actually was going to be. And that probably (laughs) was a sign from the start that it wasn't the right direction. But I completed my degree, started working in just general customer service finance, working for a finance, supporting a finance team. And my heart was never in it. It never was like I could do, I could do the work. It was just never there. So, but I never really considered anything else. During that time, my now husband, but what a fiance at the time were moving and we actually moved from we actually moved around a little bit in Europe, but we ended up moving here to California um, as part of that. And it was kind of a, a lot of people talk about that, needing that whole fresh start to try something new. Like you need a big change to make you actually change things. Um, yeah. And so moving country, that's a, that's a big change. That's a big <laughs> fresh start. So we, uh, we moved here to the United States. We got settled. I started back in finance because that's what I knew. But again, very much learned that my heart was definitely not in it by that point. And so was looking for other options around there. And where I live in Southern California, I'm actually very close to a municipal shelter. And they were looking for volunteers at the time. I was looking for ways to get out of the house. I was looking for ways to make new friends because I'd moved to a country where I didn't know anybody. And it just seemed like the perfect opportunity. I've always loved animals. Perfect opportunity to go meet some new people. Pets some furry animals, help some animals get adopted. Yeah. And just kind of from there, realized how much I enjoyed being there. And I started spending more and more time there than I was at work and more invested into what was going on at the shelter than I was in my job from day to day. And befriended a lot of the staff there, was helping out a lot more with some more what they would call more advanced volunteer opportunities, like actually helping with handling and training animals and getting food sorted out for them and those kind of things. And eventually when the shelter were hiring, they were only hiring part-time positions, but one of the staff members there reached out and said, Hey, you like it here so much. You're here so often. Would you consider it? Like at least you'll get paid to be here now. Yeah. And that started a long, well, not that long, but fairly long history into finally I was doing part-time in both for a little while um, because unfortunately the shelter is a municipal shelter, county shelter. So it, you know, didn't offer full-time positions and things like that, but it made me realize that's where I wanted to be and wanted to, what I wanted to do. So it made me start looking around more for opportunities that were maybe in hospitals or adoptions, shelters. I initially started out looking at receptionist positions and CSR positions, because that's what I knew. I knew how to work in an office, but I applied for a position in a small local general practice. 
And I actually applied for their receptionist position. But when I found out they got there, they were actually looking for a kennel attendant. I was, I thought, you know, this is still a full-time job in an animal practice, can go from there. So I just got my foot in the door and started there. Yeah. And that's, you know, reception's another valid way to get in because especially someone like you coming into second, you know, second career path, second look here, you're right. That's a very valid step for you coming from an office setting. It it would seem natural to step in the door at a reception position and get your feet wet and go from there. Yeah. And one thing that I, during my career have never worked in like one of the big corporate practices, every practice I've ever worked in has always been like a privately owned, but definitely from those perspectives, in a lot of cases, the staff are always cross-trained. So if the, the the practice I was at, I was there for three and a half years almost. The receptionists all knew basic kennel attendant stuff that they could help out with, you know, restrict basic restraint, getting the right medications and pulling out those kind of things and helping out the techs. Yeah. The techs were all cross-trained to, to be receptionists for what, covering lunch breaks and days off and things like that. So it is a really good I don't think a lot of people see it as a necessarily as a tran- a good transitionary role, but it is because you get to learn a lot and you often get cross-trained, especially if you're interested in learning more. Well, and I also am of the opinion that if you do want to be on a track to be a technician that eventually transitions into like a practice management position, having Absolutely. that past, because regardless of how clinics work, somehow we always get divided down into the front and the back because those two respective areas don't really fully understand each other. And then it creates this divide no matter how hard you try. So I think that that is a great point too, that, you know, if you're a technician that starts in the, in the front air quotes here in the front, right. (laughs) Then if you did move to even a position like a lead technician, right. You have this better understanding of how the practice works as the whole, you see the big picture. So I could see that being really advantageous for a technician uh, understanding the front aspect as well, even if they are just cross-trained. I I think that's great. Yeah. And then inevitably, as, as you know, we're here to talk about alternative career paths and that's inevitably where I ended up, you know, that trait, that having that additional background and training did help me in the long run there too. So yeah, definitely. Understanding the softwares a little bit better, some other tricks. And I've learned some great software tricks from the receptionists <laughs> who are like digging in the software all day, right? They know all the little backdoor ways to do things and, and phone communication with clients is totally different than also they are totally a gateway into a lot of vet clinics, like in various different ways. Yes. You can find yes. out a lot about a clinic from talking to their receptionist or CFR. <laughs> True. That's true. Very true. So now you were in general practice and then um, was there schooling in there somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. So I started off as a kennel attendant and then again, because I school's a commitment. School's a big commitment as credential technician, you know this too. It's a it's a big commitment. And so especially as I'd already gone to school for something else, um, I wanted to make sure this is what I wanted to do before I committed to that. So I was a veterinary assistant for quite some time. Here in California, we have a, a, as well as traditional schooling, we also have alternate route, which is where you can combine schooling with mentoring as well um, and do go to get to your track to be your licensing through RVT and the VTNE. Um, and that's the route I decided to go through. So I went to a school here in, in California. Sorry, I had to think about that for a minute. Where am I? <laughs> Jumping different time zones today. Southern California. So I went to an alternate route school here. So it was two nights a week where I actually physically attended school, but the rest of the time it was a lot of mentorship and 
basically ticking boxes of skills that the vet that I worked with agreed to be the mentor for me on that. Um, I actually ended up changing hospitals during that time because I went from general practice to emergency a little bit because of this alternate route option. I was, there's a lot of skills that we were being taught that I was only getting to utilize very briefly in the general practice I worked at and just because of the nature of the practice I worked at. So I transitioned over during my school period to working in emergency and critical care. And they were a very big teaching hospital as well. So when they found out I was on this program and needed that mentorship as well, they were more than happy to sign off on that too, um, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, So I I went to schooling through that. So I did alternate route, I did school for, it was a very long two years where I was <laughs> working a 40 hour week in emergency and going to school for like 10 hours, of, 10 hours a week and trying to have a social life. And at this point, you know, married friends, like making made a whole new life here in California. So trying to actually maintain work life balance. And that was was definitely a struggle for two years, but I would never have done it any other way. You did your, your veterinary medicine school here. And so no credentials in the UK, but what about like gen ed courses and things are typically a part of your degree? Was that kind of built into the little program you did, or did you have some from your finance degree in the UK that were able to transfer? So yeah, they, um, there were some general, uh, like for the alternate route courses, you had to have certain, uh, like a GPA of a certain amount in certain subjects and math, English, and science, Um, I was able to get my records transferred over from the UK to here. So um, the alternate route program I went to, though, did have a program where if for any reason you didn't have that or couldn't, like in my case, if I hadn't been able to get my records transferred over or they hadn't have counted for any reason, um, they had a program in place where you could start that first and go through the system the same way. Um, they also had a program for if you weren't already working in a veterinary hospital. So a big part of this alternate route program was you have to be working in a vet hospital with a vet mentor. Yeah. Um, but they had a program beforehand. It was like for college students, for example, who were coming straight out of college and wanting to go into a vocational option where you could do a program. It was a three month program beforehand where you learned the basic skills and they helped assist you get a job in a vet clinic. So if you weren't already working in a vet clinic, you could go through this program first. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of extra cost in there, but it got you the basic vet assistant skills, basically, to get you into a doorway, to get you into a clinic so you could then continue on the rest of the alternate route program. Okay, cool. Well, glad to know that your stuff transferred so you didn't have to go go back and do all that gen ed stuff again. It was definitely... A fun time, especially as the uh, the high school college I went to no longer exists anymore. Got bought oh, over no. by another school. <laughs> yeah, proving that there was a big time difference between when I graduated high school and when I started vet tech school. <laughs> um, this school doesn't exist anymore. So it was trying to track down, like, first of all, bugging my parents to have to, you know, sift through their attic to see if they kept anything like that. And then when we there was one thing they were missing and we were trying to trace it back, but we thankfully managed to find everything we needed. Oh my goodness. Plus 7,000 other things they didn't know was in their attic. So that was fun. Right. I'm thinking about my mom going through my stuff. I'm sure that would be an adventure for any parent to have to go yes. back through all the years. Oh goodness. Yep. Okay. Oh, and and having that conversation while explaining to them, by the way, you know, I went to college for one thing, completely changing that now. I'm going to go back <laughs> to school for something completely different. Um, How long so were you Thank in you finance? for supporting me. Yeah. <laughs> 
so gosh, uh, so I graduated when I was, oh my God, I have to think about, about this back, when I was 22. So I, I was actually really in finance for four and a half, five years. Okay, okay. So okay. Not, not a huge, I mean, I, I've now been in veterinary medicine longer. <laughs> but that doesn't like I if you like include in my college degree and stuff obviously that was 19 when I went to college though that's not bad not bad I was on the same track I did I did um emergency dispatching for four and a half years and then got into vet med so no worries that's that's a small small <laughs> drop in the bucket after after you've been in vet med for a while it doesn't seem so bad so also, are- weirdly there are skills that transfer like medical math was so much easier for me because I'd already done oh. I'd already had to deal with weird financial math that doing medical math made it a little bit that that course and thankfully at vet tech school was one of the ones I did not have a hard time with. yes so I yes I would have never put two and two together there no <laughs> pun intended that yes you probably <laughs> I think that's a great whizzed, pun. <laughs> you probably whizzed through the vet math stuff no problem what about what you're doing now? What are you up to now? You're not in, in practice anymore uh, on the floor or anything. What are you up to now? No. Okay. So uh, now my job, so I work with a company called Just Food for Dogs and they are a fresh whole food nutrition company. So I, I'm in pet food now and I work with part of their vet team as a, their veterinary partnership education trainer. That's my full job title. So what that means is I am in charge, well, not completely in charge, but part of the team that is responsible for educating vet clinics and vet professionals in various different ways on fresh whole food and on what Just Food for Dogs does and how they do what they do, what products they have to offer. And just in a in a smaller capacity, like nutrition overall. I know as a vet tech, I can't speak for vets, but personally as a vet tech, like I did not handle a lot of nutrition stuff at school or through some of the practices I work, especially when I was in emergency, like nutrition is something you really didn't touch. It was more, is this patient eating or not? Yes. Yeah. The question of of that. Um, So that is, that is where I'm at now. Now it was a kind of a strange transition for that because as I said, I wasn't really doing a lot of nutrition before that. I went from general practice to emergency and critical care, got a little burnt out in emergency and critical care, went back to GP for a little while. I then did a stint working in canine rehabilitation, which I actually thought was where I was going to end up and stay. But I, the phrase I always tell a lot of people about like jobs and things like that is you go to different places and, you know, you, you don't think you don't really, you're not the right fit for whatever reason. And that's okay. That's okay to, for, to something you're not for everybody and everybody's not for you and that's fine. But when you do that in enough places, you start to, it's not that, oh gosh, it's not you, it's me. Maybe there's a thing like what's why am I not fitting not that I wasn't fitting in I love all the teams I worked with I'm still friends with many of them but I just I could never find my spot where I was like where I felt like I fit where I felt like I was truly like loving everything I do and eventually I kind of sat down and went okay it's definitely me so I need (laughs) to work out where my place in veterinary medicine is Um, and I ended up actually a friend of mine worked for Just Food for Dogs and she had told me that the company was hiring and if I was interested, you know, she'd get me, uh, you know, at least a, a, a chat with someone on the team. Um, and I met one of the doctors who works for the company and her and I hit it off like a house on fire and she was telling me exactly what her job was because her job, my job, if I 
back then, if I had joined the team, that is my job would be working directly with her and counterparting with what she was doing. And the more and more she kept talking about it, the more I realized, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. Yeah. I, I still get to help animals. I still get to work in veterinary medicine, just utilizing other skills I have that weirdly come from my finance background, like from working in an office, from handling reports and things like that. I got to kind of mix the two worlds together and create a new world. Yeah. So your finance wasn't a total loss. You learned something total. Yeah. and grew. But yeah, I mean, that's that's something I'm finally learning, you know, as I'm I'm longer in veterinary medicine and and as I'm just getting older as a human that, you know, if we keep going back to something when we've already resolved once or twice, it's maybe not the right thing yeah. for us. It's silly to continue going back, right? So sitting down, figuring out, really thinking critically about what it is that we like and what steps we can take to find something that meets all of our needs, right? And it sounds like you found your little pigeonhole that really works for you and combines all your things. So what does a typical work day or week or month look like for you? Like how, how does that break down and, and what does it look like? In a good and bad way, I, I don't think I ever really have a typical day slash week slash month. Every day is very different. And I know to some people, they're probably listening to this and thinking, oh my God, I could never, oh, having no like consistency would drive them insane and for some people <laughs> they love it and so thankfully I form it a fit into the latter category but my yeah day-to-day -day is very different it depends on the time of year like we're just coming out of veterinary conference season right now a big part of my job is traveling to conferences and being part of the exhibition hall and actually being there to answer questions for vet professionals who come to the exhibit hall and want to learn more about about the products. We always, as our company, um, always likes to make sure we have our medical professionals at these events because a lot of vets, a lot of vet techs prefer to talk, you know, vet to vet tech, vet tech to vet tech, vet to vet, because we just share the same clinical terminology, yeah, those kind of things. Um, so during conference season, I'm back and forth for various different conferences on a, a week in, week out basis. Don't normally have too many that are back to back, but because you have to come home and do the follow-up and work on those kind of things and build on those relationships and follow up with people and make sure you're getting them the information they need. Another big part of my job is doing, I'm sure many people will know the traditional lunch and learn where you have that rep from the company that comes in and <laughs> we all love spends an hour talking to I know. I, I always say to people, like, I appreciate that I present these lunch and learns and from a company perspective, you know, the getting you educated is the most important thing. I'm a vet tech. I know the food is important too. being able <laughs> to go, hey, team, sit down for an hour. Let me talk to you about something, but I will buy you lunch for letting me do it. Um, I'll bring you stuff for letting me do it. Like I know that's okay. And I'm okay with that. Most when I turn up and I bring food and I bring lunch, most people are like, oh, thank you. And I was like, yeah, I know the lunch is important too. That's <laughs> vet techs do not uh, vets vet techs vet professionals do not get time to sit down and eat and so if someone is going to bring food in for you so you don't have to worry about that one extra thing a day that's fine yes <laughs> so so I go to locate obviously with the pandemic and everything in the last two years that's that's changed a lot and when I first started working for the company in 2019 it was a lot of driving around going to places in person and actually doing these presentations when everyone went work from home and curbside, that became a little more difficult. We were able to adapt a little bit and jump onto the webinar versions. And so actually I get to do a lot of 
presentations online now. So, and it's been really great because part of that has been being able to be a bit more flexible and more uh, more national because I can actually present to teams that are not just here in California that I can't get to. So uh, a great example is this morning before we recorded this, I was doing a presentation with a team in Florida. I can't nice. be there in person, but I was able to actually interact with them and more and more people are now used to Zoom presentations and Zoom calls. So <laughs> when I, we first started doing them, it was cameras off, microphones off. They're just going to listen. And I'm not sure if anyone's actually listening to me. Now, a lot more teams are very interactive and they'll ask questions and they'll have the camera on. I get to see all their puppies and kittens in the background, which uh, if any of you, list, if any listeners ever have a presentation and I'm presenting it um, and you have cats or dogs in the background, please share them with me as <laughs> highlight of my day. highlight of my day. You said in 2019, you were doing more driving around and Mm -hmm. things. And I'm wondering, is it more, was that more like a traditional rep, you know, like we have the, the pharmaceutical companies, like our BI reps and and whatnot would come around regularly and just check on us and see if we needed anything. Is, is that a part of it too? Or is it just the lunch and learns and conferences and things? So when I first started, yes, it was very much, I was part of the vet team, but kind of had encompassed in part of that that product rep as well. So um, especially because in the beginning, my title was regional. So it was more, okay. again, like I'm in California, so um, Southern California, so San Diego, Orange County, LA, anywhere I could, Inland Empire for an extent, anywhere I could drive to. Um, so there was an element of having that being the product rep for an area obviously as time changes and obviously with COVID happening and everything like that, it evolved the role. I got to, I actually got to evolve the role a little more. I think I was kind of in a unique position because I was the first person in this, in my company to have a role like this. And this role was new that we got to evolve it as times changed, we got to evolve the role to match the times. And so therefore, as I said, now I'm a little bit more, national rather than regional so I can it it's now doing less of the rep side of it and more of the education so I I handle more like the questions that come through from clinics that have questions afterwards making sure everyone's got everything I mean there's still an element of of your traditional rep in there of like making sure if they ordered something it came through and answering their questions if their clients have questions making sure they've got resources to get the right answers to them and things like that but it's definitely been a little more highly focused on doing the educational parts we've actually started expanding our educational program within the company now too and a lot of it is still like rolling the ball into process and getting things started now so things will happen start happening more towards the end of the year because they're all things that need some planning and some programming and things like that but being able to do more of that side has definitely been something that has evolved since I started that's awesome that's I think that's awesome to be part of something that's evolving and changing with the times and and yeah. what we're all going through and yeah just zoom is like a household thing now right it <laughs> used to be so scary and nobody knew how to work it and now everything yeah. is zoom this zoom that. So how frequently are you going on like the big trips, like one a week during big conference season or what's that part look like for you? Um, So again, as I said earlier, it kind of depends on season. So for the first half of this year, it's been pretty big conference season. I would say conferences, veterinary conferences, I learned since doing this job, but very much between January and June. And then they start again in September through December 
no, end of November, there's a break obviously in December because of the holidays. Um, and so taking this year, for example, from January through till last week, probably we were doing like one conference a month, um, but it would be a full week of travel. Oh. Um, so we were at VMX is a great example here in January. VMX is a four-day event. Obviously, that incorporates traveling from West Coast to East Coast. So going from California to Florida, that's, a, you know, a day's travel yeah. either side. We generally, I like to try and include some veterinary outreach while you're there as well, because we have a lot of people that we've communicated through again using like zoom is a household thing now so it's great we can talk to people whenever we want but sometimes it's nice that that you've been talking to someone for a year and a half and now all of a sudden you're in their neighborhood so go meet the go meet them in person and go like make that physical face-to-face connection yeah um so we generally try um I generally try to do that with the conferences as well so it's been about once a month but it's a normally each conference is about a five to seven days of start to finish where you're just upheavaled and move to wherever it is so like Florida or Chicago or Austin have been the few that I've been to recently but we now conference season has calmed down because it's the summer and no one no one wants to go to conferences in the summer (laughs) thankfully and so now is a little bit calmer so I don't I don't actually have to travel out of state again until September which is kind of nice because it gives enough time to start concentrating more on local areas and being again doing a lot more it's all virtual and educational through through zoom but being able to do some of that still as well and like I said it's been great because this role has evolved and I've been able to be part of the process of the evolution of it and that's meant that now I have some time to actually sit down and put plans in place and put stuff together so that we can start implementing a lot of things later in the year once conference season picks up again and we're upheavaled again for a whole week. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm so happy to hear, you know, a credential technician is making a spot in the world for herself. You know, you're making a spot in this business. You're <laughs> helping you. with the plans, helping build something. I think that's great. You know, we deserve a voice in in whatever area of veterinary medicine that we're in. And I'm I'm so happy to hear that sounds like your voice is heard and you're an integral part of building something. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. I'm very lucky that the company I work for kind of treats vets and vet techs in a similar vein. So voices are heard from both of us. It's not, you're not often seen as, oh, just because you're not a vet, you're not, your, your opinion is not necessarily as valued as someone who is a vet. Obviously there's going to be certain things they're going to have more knowledge of over me, but right. um, when it comes to certain things, like it's just seen as you have that medical background and that medical knowledge and your thoughts and, and input is valid. I'm not the only technician who works for the company. now, when I first started, I was the only one. Um, now we have three of us and we're, we're potentially going to have more in the future. And we all, have very different positions and but our voices and our opinions are considered still very highly in what we're doing the other two technicians have also been able to evolve their roles as they've been with the company to try and you know it's great for them and it's you know in the long run going to be good for the company as well yes yes and and just the technician community as a whole, credential technicians as a whole. I think that's great. So what about clinical medicine? You haven't been in clinical medicine for a while. Do you miss it? Do you miss the hands-on part? Yes and no. That's not a really easy answer. <laughs> yes, I I do. And I will say one thing I 
I do less of it now, but when I first started, I was really worried that I was going to miss clinical medicine. And so I still get, I said, I am really grateful. I've worked with some really great teams historically. And a lot of them have always said, you know, if we need help, we'll reach out. And so I, I very, I have done relief shifts here, there and everywhere. And that's something again, for any veterinary technicians that come out of clinical practice and go in, sorry, uh, yeah, come out of clinical practice and go into anything else, you know, relief is always still there. Cards are always still on the table. Everyone needs a technician right now. And I did a lot of it when I first started because I really, that transition is hard. I will say that's my only piece of advice to anyone going from clinical practice outside to clinical practice is that initial transition is really tough is not the right word, but it's, it's a difference and it's an adjustment. And I, I did adjustment a lot of is a good word for that. It, yeah. It's, it's just an adjustment. It's an adjustment. And so I did a lot of relief work. Um, I still here and there do relief sk- shifts and I always think I miss being in clinical practice. And then I do a relief shift and I remember <laughs> that I don't, I miss elements of it. I miss the, you know, there's a different teamwork and camaraderie in clinical practice from outside. Mm-hmm. And I miss that to an extent. I miss pets. I miss, especially from general practice, you get to build those relationships with those owners that come in regularly. You know, everybody has their favorite pets that come in and they're always excited to see them, whether they're chronically ill or just coming in for their rechecks. Everyone has those patients. I've been I weirdly, ironically lucky that one of the patients that were like that for me, I actually work with one of the, one of the parents of that, the, the, that dog now. Um, so I still get to see them on a daily, almost daily basis, but it's a yes and no. I miss elements of it, but it was, it was never truly a hundred percent the right fit for me. So I don't fully miss it for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. If it's not for you, it's not for you. Like I said earlier, we're silly to just keep going back to what doesn't right. actually bring us joy. So that's fair. Yeah. If somebody wanted to kind of follow in your footsteps to do this job, I, I know this was sort of a, a good networking find for you, but if somebody wanted to start something like this, is there a good place to start as far as uh, maybe a job hunt or if maybe we should try some different schooling or additional training or, or something like that, where would be a good starting stepping stone? So I think the best place to start is actually working out the niche you want to be in. Like for me, like pet food kind of was a by accident, but I kind of was always interested in client education. And what I'm doing right now is not too dissimilar. I'm just doing education to to vet professionals rather than clients, but just trying to work out where you're in, what you're interested in first, and then going from there. So when it comes to looking for jobs, I I always think that if you go around your clinic, if you're if you're not sure that you want to be in a clinical practice in your clinic, go around the clinic and look at the companies for the that are written on the labels or written on the machines that you're using. Say you're super into radiology and you really love examining X-rays, you know what company is your hospital using to you know what x-ray machine do you have? What company is that? What, if they're sending them off for radiology reviews, what company are you using? Those kind of things. And then once you've highlighted your niche of what you're interested in, then actually look up those companies' websites. When their reps come in, talk to the rep that are coming in. I know like x-ray is probably a bad example but for that, but maybe you're interest, interested in pharmaceuticals, not necessarily being a pharmaceutical rep, but 
doing like learning more about how the drug testing works or how these drugs are developed you know look at the companies that are written on the labels for the drugs that you're getting um when your rep comes in talk to them about you know what their job's like what their where they're based how that works what kind of positions their company has especially for credentialed technicians you know sales reps normally are just you know people that have come in that have sales experience but these companies do hire veterinary technicians for various research and development roles educational roles those kind of things so talking to the reps that come in from your companies like that if you don't have a rep that comes in utilizing things like social media and Facebook groups and those kind of things. I mean, again, a lot of these companies will have some kind of social outreach and just reaching out to them to, to yeah. chat to somebody about it. Utilizing networking, it's a really big thing. Like, uh, I know we're going to, I know we talked about this uh, prior to the podcast, but if you're going to conferences, go look up who, what companies are there. And if someone is there from a company that you're interested in, go talk to the reps that are there. And then utilize, again, utilizing their websites and their career pages, because you'll find, you may not necessarily find exactly what you're looking for, but there may be stepping stone roles to get into there. Like I said, my job when I first started is very different from how it is now. Sometimes you just need that stepping stone into, into something. Yes. And this is why I love having guests and I love giving you guys the freedom to put your thoughts out there because you took this one step ahead of where I was even thinking you would go with this, right? You're absolutely right. You're so right. Yeah. The very first stepping stone before you go anywhere is to figure out what it is you like. And those are all great points. There's so much around the clinic that you can look at and just check out. Yeah. The pharma stuff, right? Zoetis, BI, there's so many, yep. but those are the big ones. You could also do things uh, like if ClinPath is your jam, IDEX is a huge right. company that's always hiring. They're a lab that's used frequently and they're not the only one. There's others, you know, Antec, yeah. Phoenix, there's tons of lab options out there too. If you, maybe you like ClinPath, you, you like to look in the microscope all day or, or run samples or what have you. Right. So that's just, that's absolutely an amazing first thought to just think about block one or step one or starting point, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Think about what it is that you truly love about your job every day and then follow the path from there. That's awesome. Yeah. And then if it's something as simple as like, so maybe it's something you can't track around your clinic. Maybe you love doing client education. Maybe you love going, being that tech that goes in and talks to the owners about follow-ups and educating them on the drugs they're getting or on the food that they're going to be transitioning to then clearly you like teaching, like you may not see it that way, but you, you obviously like educating people. And that is in a roundabout way that's teaching. And so, you know, at that point, do you want to start looking at, again, there's when it comes to teaching, there's so many different opportunities. You can go into a company and do like product education, like I'm doing. You could go into actual teaching of teaching vet, vet techs. There's some, if you're near a vet school, a lot of vet schools take on vet techs to help with the vet students and help with them teaching, especially in the first and second years. They have a lot of that. If you're near like vet tech schools or things like that even high schools doing vocational programs there's so many opportunities there even if it's something that's not a physical thing you can pick up and get a company name from but I think the biggest starting point is analyzing what your day-to-day -day is and what parts of that position you like and then going from there yes and if you like client education, the one that popped into my mind too was telehealth, right? As becoming yeah, super popular in the age of mm -hmm. COVID and doing more things online. 
veterinary telehealth is just absolutely booming. And that is a really good outlet for just heavy client communication and education. So that's another good one to uh, keep in mind. Yeah. And we're kind of drawn to the end of our time here today, Lucy. Is there anything else you'd like to get out there or share with other credential technicians about what it is you do or just anything else in general? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as well as, I mean, obviously, if anyone wants to learn more about Just Weaver Dogs, they can reach out to me in any way. Uh, I'm always happy to do that and flag my actual real job here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Flag my real job here. But for anyone who wants to ever ask any questions about alternative career routes for um, for veterinary technicians. Kendra, I know you do a really great job of educating on different options through the oh, podcast nice. and through your social media on this. I also try and do similarly on my social media. Um, it's Lucy Lupop RBT uh, is my social media handle. I'm on Instagram only right now, but I, I do try and share as much about my role and how my job is different from clinical practice and how I got there and what you know the good the bad and the ugly as well I mean it's not like no job is perfect and there's always going to be days where you're just everything goes wrong for whatever reason and so I try and share as much of that as possible but yeah so please come follow me and find me there um you can always reach out and I'm happy to try and give as best career advice as I can for those that want (laughs) to get out of clinical practice and options that they can find Perfect. What about a tip or a trick for today, Lucy? I usually like my guests to leave a tip or a trick, something you learned after your schooling that you didn't necessarily learn in school that has just made your life so much easier as a technician. The biggest thing, networking is so important and it's so underutilized, especially in A, in veterinary medicine and B, for veterinary technicians. There's, you never know who you're going to meet or who you're going to bump into and what connections that can be. If nothing else, you get a support system around you for when you're trying to find opportunities or when things are not going the way you want them to. Having that support system, especially within the industry, is always a great thing. But also there's opportunities there for career changes if you want to do something outside of clinical practice. I always say that conferences, vet techs don't tend to go to conferences as often as they can. And I understand why it's hard to get the time off. Conferences are not the the cheapest thing to go to, especially if you're doing out-of-state ones. But they're really great opportunities to meet so many people from so many different backgrounds. And if you're not sure what you want to do, you can meet people that may be able to give you inspiration or advice to find what you want to do. So like talking to different people at different booths, even just chatting to the person sitting next to you in a lecture. But again, I appreciate that's not always on cards for everyone, but like your local veterinary medical medical board association. Yes, like I know yes. here in California, we have the SCVMA that does regular events and just attending those and meeting people in the area that do different things. The power of networking is not utilized in veterinary medicine as well as it could be. And again, not always necessarily in person, join Facebook groups, join social media, like Instagram, type in hashtag Vetstagram and you'll get so many people that come up and they're such a crazily supportive network for various things. And that's my biggest tip. Yes. And and I think that's great. I've it's just something that we don't talk about, right? It's not that the opportunities right. aren't there. It's just, we don't talk about it. We don't go out and do it. We don't get it done, right? Do the networking. And yes, I am a big advocate lately of definitely 
joining up with your state vet tech association, getting involved, meeting those people. And then there's also, you know, if, if state might seem a little intimidating to you, which it shouldn't, they're all just nice technicians like you and me. <laughs> Also checking out, there might be some local ones. So yeah, uh, like I know there's a Kansas City Vet Tech Association. When I lived in Washington, there was a small uh, Peninsula Veterinary Association uh, for veterinarians and technicians. But even joining those smaller groups, if that feels less intimidating to you in the moment until you kind of get yeah. your sea legs, you know, because I do hear that a lot too. Lots of stories like yours, Lucy, where technicians are like, oh, well, my friends told me about this job and that was life-changing for me. And now here I am on this amazing path that I didn't even know about. Right. So it's really important to build those relationships within our, in our network here. And then showing how this can work. I want to share, it's not my story, but I do have permission to share it Um, from a, and from a a fellow vet professional of mine. So a few years ago at the Vegas veterinary conference, there was a group of us who again met through, and this is totally through, social media, had never met in person and networked, networked and just kind of it'd been in group messages and things like that in social media, found out we were all going to the conference in Vegas or agreed, let's meet up for a drink and actually meet in person just for an hour or so just to actually have some personal contact. And one of the group members was there. She came to Vegas and was kind of a little bit more introverted, like a lot of us are. <laughs> yeah saw the group hanging out and changed her mind and decided not to come join us and just carried on like still enjoyed the conference and got everything done but didn't didn't come and meet with us in person now obviously we still talked to her we none of us knew she'd done that like we just still carried on we just assumed she couldn't make it she was in a lecture or anything like that two years later when we all finally went to Vegas again when conferences started happening again we did the same thing And she joined us that time and she told us the story about how she had regretted not coming the first time because she just had let her introvertness and her shyness like do that. And she missed out on the opportunity of actually getting to meet a a very supportive group of people in person. And a few opportunities have now come out again because networking can also help with your career and help with things, like I said, being supportive groups of people. She's had a lot more things come up in her um in her career since then because of just coming to that second event that she wishes she had come to the first one and so though because I mean those things may or may not have happened anyway but just nothing like we're nice people as you said (laughs) we're all a group of nice people we promise no one everyone Everyone understands your anxiety and scared like an introvertness we've got it we're all crazy (laughs) people in different ways that's why we're all in that bed exactly exactly at least half the group is probably just as terrified as you are to be there (laughs) yep in in all reality so yes absolutely definitely definitely that's that's still solid advice good networking you should do it And Lucy, that wraps us up for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for taking the time out of your day. And thank you again for for inviting me. Um, It's been a real pleasure to speak with you and share everything. And secondly, for everything you do, like I... I love that you are offering this as a as a advice for veterinary technicians out there that there are credentialed technicians doing what you do and what we do and showing that there's there's options out there for everybody. Yes, thank you so much. I I am learning so much myself. So there's there's a little advantage in it for me too. I <laughs> I am seeing how big the world is. So it's it's been awesome. 
Well, that wraps us up for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Kendra the Vet Tech. Feel free to jump over to my website, KendraTheVetTech.com. You can purchase your copy of my veterinary telephone triage flipbook for your practice. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, subjects you'd like to hear about, feel free to shoot me an email, KendraTheVetTech at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. 